everyone, and welcome back to We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. I am Brandon, and you can probably tell that I'm a little bit under the weather. And I think by the end of this week, I'm going to be over the weather because it's supposed to be like 99 fucking degrees out. And now I'm yeah. curious about the etymology of under the weather and where that came from. Uh, but <laughs> I don't think he's under the weather, but he is Paul. Yo, yo, what's up, people? Uh, before we even get to Dan, I want to clarify one thing. That uh, Brandon did come up with the Star Trek detective show. Yes. I, it was not my creation. I must apologize and say he was right the for, for the first time ever in the show's history. <laughs> <laughs> okay. he was right he was right about something and uh he said detective star trek detective and i went on went crazy with all my ideas but yes he came up with the idea so even though i'm taking the show for my own now and making it he shall get credit for the one sentence that inspired me for the future wow so, the the backhanded apology i like it i love it actually <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i guess now we can introduce dan you're here right dan i mean I just have to say, Paul is one humble guy. Yeah, he really is, isn't he? <laughs> you know, he's right, but just barely, and just the one time. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll you're, you're an inspiration to care. us all, Paul. Yeah. The, point, the point is, I admitted it to our audience, okay? So they know that I admit I was wrong. Yep, yep, I'll take it. I'm not going to complain about it. I'll print out the waveform and just uh, frame it and put it on my wall. Brandon was you right. See this shirt. right here, son? Yep, that's Paul apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be like, who's Paul? But today we are covering season one, episode 22, Space Seed. The original air date was February 15th, 1967. If you couldn't tell, or if you if you hadn't guessed, the Enterprise is moving through space because it would be weird if it was moving anywhere else. And, well, if it was uh, moving through time, it'd be the TARDIS. So wrong show. Well, it's moving forward through time at regular speed. I mean, that is true. Which they never really expl- explained the time dilation in why, the show. Why does Why does Brandon ruin things by being being smart with logic? Every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's more you like just so being smart. a smart ass. <laughs> That's his inner Spock coming out. Yeah, definitely. He always got to ruin it. Like, well, technically, I'm moving through time. You know, normal. I was like, bro. Yeah, we're, but, we're all but time travelers, just in yeah, one direction. Thank you. I like the. Oh, my God. That's a very good uh, analogy of life, though. We're all time travelers, just move, we're all moving forward. Dang, man. I hate you, Brandon. You're so smart sometimes. <laughs> I might get this, another apology soon. Oh, man. This logic <laughs> stuff, man. Um,. So yeah, they're they're moving through space, and as my note says, the Burge crew, but I believe it's actually supposed to say Bridge crew, because I don't know where the fuck the Burge is, but uh, <laughs> they're on the bridge, and they're watching the screen, and somebody says that they're coming up on a, a quick, an object pretty quickly, which is not, this is not the first or second time that this has happened. They just, for space being so big and empty, they sure as hell do find a lot of shit out there, like just on accident. Yeah, that shit almost never happened, in all honesty. Yeah, like every other episode, they're running into something nobody knew was there. Yeah, but maybe there's a lot more out there in space than we know about. So I know it's very rare, but at the same time, you got to have a premise for the show. You got to do something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'd be boring if they're just flying around and nothing happens. Yeah. But um, Spock does confirm that his readings say that it's an unknown vessel that they're approaching and that no Earth flights have been seen in that ve- sector for years. So it can't be an Earth ship. And then Uhura picks up a Morse code signal and Kirk questions Spock's readings. He's like, hey, are you you sure about that, buddy? Because Morse code is like a human thing. Uh, but also she tried to see like Uhura started to translate the code and 
Kirk is just like a total dick, and he's like, "Yeah, I got it. Like, I can do this." Yeah, <laughs> like this is really unnecessarily mean. You know, I, I was like, not all of us know how to speak SOS. Morse yeah, code. Yeah, I, I don't. I was just, just, he was so he shitty get, about it. Yeah, he kind of cut off. Like, yeah, I know this. Like, of course. No, I now we'll never know what the message says. Nope. But uh, Spock and Kirk do joke a little bit about how Kirk gets pleasure when Spock is wrong, and then you know they're just approaching the ship. I uh, said, so, wow, what an appropriate start for the episode today. Uh, but Spock says that it's a DY-100 class ship that was built way back in the 1990s. And Kirk believes that its signal was left on automatic. So it's just, you know, broadcasting repeatedly. And, and Spock says that it maybe it's being used by aliens. I got to I got to jump in here really quick. Humankind really let the show down. If You know, we didn't build anything that cool in the 90s. Right? Yep. I thought about the same thing when I heard the 90s. I thought, oh, that's in the future. I think the most more uh, curious thing is, did they mention the war thing just now? Like, at the time? The first time? Uh, No, we get to that a little bit later. Oh, okay. But yeah, Dan, to your point, like, this show thought that in the 90s we were going to be, you know, having sweet uh, interplanetary spacecraft. And I, what we ended up with was, like, the Matrix. The Internet. And I think, <laughs> yeah, and, like, Clarissa explains it all. Was what we got. Yeah, I I felt like they were trying to take a good guess for the future. And man, were they wrong. I mean, they got a lot of stuff right, but they didn't get yeah, nothing right in the a, 90s. We did get, you know, several huge technological leaps in the 90s, uh, but, but not uh, interplanetary ships. Not yet, anyway. But uh, Kirk calls down to the weapons room to make sure that they are ready and Dr. McCoy announces that there are some heartbeat readings coming from the ship, but that they're too faint and too slow to be human. So I thought it was going to be Vulcans. Spock informs Kirk that they're picking up readings of some sort of equipment on the vessel. And so Kirk's like, all right, let's go full alert. And then uh, they start to pull up to the ship and we get the show's opening. So we come back from the opening and we get a captain's log just explaining the situation that they've been on full alert for an hour now. And, and I would think that after like 30 minutes of being on full alert, everybody's just on like no alert because like being you know just in tune for that long and then nothing happening you just you're gonna start to get lazy so i wonder if that becomes an issue on that ship because like, you can only you know be so alert for so long well i thought it was weird they didn't go to yellow alert actually instead of red yeah straight to red i thought that was kind of interesting because you never see kurt go to the next level that quick unless something happens and then he reacts yeah, so they thought, have been more relaxed about more serious situations than this. Yeah, they're they're more reactive than they are active, you know. So I thought it was kind of weird with the red alert, and I was like, oh. And then when he came back after commercial, it was still on alert, and I was like, oh, okay, that's weird. I don't know why it's something I picked up one early. I wrote it down in my notes. Maybe Kirk is finally picking up on the fact that uh, every fucking time anything happens, it doesn't go his way, and maybe he should get on top of that in the beginning. <laughs> in the beginning, but he doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's, I'm gonna try it this time. We're we're not gonna get beat and then make, have to make a comeback, or you know, it only took some, them 21 some episodes to learn that. Right. So McCoy enters the bridge and he informs Kirk that the heartbeats are coming from like 60 to 70 bodies on the ship, and Spock says that they've encountered or they've uncovered the name of the ship and it's called the SS Botany Bay, but it's not listed in the registry anywhere. And it's possibly because of fragmented records caused by the last world war. So this is where they, they mentioned the world war. And McCoy says that uh, they were called the eugenics wars, which sounds like something from Marvel. 
And Spock notes that it was the Earth's attempt to improve humans through selective breeding. So McCoy and he kind of get into it a little bit. And McCoy's like, well, you know, it wasn't our attempts. It was some scientists that were unemotional and devoted to logic. Does that sound like anybody you know? And uh, they, they start to go like back and forth for a second. But Kirk is just like, all right, like cut this shit. <laughs> we, we're, we got stuff going on here. Okay, here's my question or like my genius thing about the show. So the term eugenics, did it exist at the time? Or this is something they made up. Had to have existed at the time, right? Okay. The, the part oh, eugenics has been around for a while, part, I believe. Okay. Okay. Part, okay. Part two. All right. Did they, they know about genetic genetics that deep back then, like in the sixties? They know about genetics and deep in that way it works. And then who would think that that eventually in the future they would try to use DNA to manipulation to make a better race and then create like a a war behind it. This is like a really, really big idea for the 60s and 70s. Am I tripping? Or am I losing my, like, is that weird? I feel like that idea has been along since like the beginning of the study of human DNA though. Like since pretty much right when we found out you know yeah, but d- what DNA, DNA tests- is and how it works. I think yeah, that's when those well, we ideas yeah, started DNA, to come up. But no, but DNA started testing, I believe in the ni- late 90s, actually. I thought uh, that DNA testing test or like studying. I, I don't know if you can even even see it before then. I don't know. I'm I'm I don't know when the I didn't look it up, but I know that uh, a big thing about a lot of cases before the early uh, early nineties is they can't they their DNA testing didn't exist in in the criminal field. So now they go back some time and, and like DNA test things and then they they find out who the real criminals are. So I'm just I know I'm, it's a real big thing I'm thinking about, but I'm just it's really weird that that uh that in the sixties they would think about in the future. That, like there may be a genetic a genetic uh, uh, war to make better humans, and that will be a reason behind a war. Isn't like a really big like smart idea to me, and how they think of it. That's kind of my. Yeah. So just a quick Google study, um, nature.com. I don't know how uh, you know how relevant that is. Uh, says that many p- people believe that American biologist James Watson and English physicist Francis Cook discovered DNA in the 1950s. In reality, this is not the case. Rather, DNA was first identified in the late 1860s by Swiss chemist Friedrich or Friedrich Miescher, I think. Wow. So, so even going by what they say here in the 50s, it is still a relatively new thing because this is only 17 years after that. So, yeah, I just I just think it's a really cool, a really cool, like really really cool big idea that I just because I can I even today I can imagine that actually ha- that's actually happening right now to for us like people genetically altering herself and things like that in the bio in the bio uh, chemistry world you know um, so i like just... i like the idea of the eugenics war where they were like hey let's make humanity better and then they ended up like there was just a huge fight about it because i fucking guarantee you it was people going well we're sure we're making you know stronger better people but what about me like you can't do that to me and then that's i guarantee you that's how that yep. fucking war started yep. like, what about mine like how do i get to be better like well you can't yep. this is a future generation thing well fuck the future well, generation yeah, i want that now yeah it, it, it probably it, it probably didn't help though that the the superior people wanted to rule over the inferior people though you know i can imagine that being an issue <laughs> that's, oh, absolutely. that's probably a, a fair point but if you notice, and if, all if the- you were on the inferior side compared to you know the superhumans, you probably would be a little worried. Oh, for sure, yeah. But the people, the superhumans were uh, were made off of like were marrying though were like Julius Caesar and like Napoleon and all these uh, Alexander the Great, all these great leaders. So it's not like they were like going to be they're they're them being better 
kind of worked out than everybody else. It made it made the world better at that time. Well, there's a a good point made by Spock a little bit later that I think uh, will probably re spark this uh, conversation. So we'll we'll leave it there for now. But I will what? say that uh, when McCoy and Spock are arguing, Uhura is sitting in the back, like she turns completely around and just watches this shit with this big smile on her face, just like <laughs> full on ready to go. She's like, I'm gonna fucking enjoy this show. I'm sick of like. She never gets to do anything. She isn't in any yeah. fucking episodes. And then uh, they're just, they're always fucking bickering. And she's just like, I'm just going to sit and watch and enjoy it. I was going to watch and enjoy this clown show. That's funny. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. She's just sitting back there having the time of her life. Mm-hmm. She's like, That's what you get for uh, telling me to shut up when I'm trying to decode a message for everyone. Yeah. And she's like, this is why I don't talk to any of you fucking clowns unless I'm ordered to. But. Uh, they lock onto the vessel with their tractor beam, and Kirk leaves Spock in charge as he and Bones head to the transporter room, and he asks for Lieutenant MacGyver's, not uh, not the guy that makes stuff uh, out of other, like, like paper clips and shit. He asks for her to be sent to the transporter room uh, because she's a historian and she's familiar with Earth's late 20th century. And uh, Spock seems really confused by that for some reason. He's just like, her? Like, all right. But uh, we go to actually to MacGyver's quarters and she's getting ready to continue a painting that she's doing of what looks to be like a Roman soldier or something. And she gets paged to the transporter and she gets like fucking annoyed about it. She's like, oh, I guess yeah. I got to do my job. And she, yeah, yeah, she, like, she goes I, and responds. She's also. like, all right, I'm on my way. Yeah, the irony is nobody, they probably never need you. You should be happy they finally need you for something. Right. Like, they, don't need, they don't need to know about the 1990s that often. Like, let's be real here. Like, hey. Your, your your dumb your dumb college study finally came through. Yeah, dude, what a fucking niche thing to know about. Yeah, that that's how she got on the Enterprise too. She's like, I know all this stuff about the nineties. Yeah, they're like, well, we got a spot to fill. I guess we take her, like, just in case we need her. But I don't see that happening. And and then like she finally gets her chance to shine. She's like, I'm busy painting my 80th painting of a fucking ancient soldier. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'm doing what I gotta do. Yeah, you know, I I thought the whole episode she was only gonna be talking about like Mario and Sonic the Hedgehog, but she she knew some <laughs> stuff, I guess. She <laughs> <laughs> She's actually like a twentieth century video game expert. <laughs> they just yeah. keep forgetting the video game part. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to the transporter room, and Scotty reports that the vessel's uh, heat is coming on, the one that they're getting ready to go to, and that it has an oxygen atmosphere, so it must be getting ready for them to go there, and then. Uh, McCoy makes a really weird statement here for this late into the season about how he he's not excited to have his atoms scattered by the transporter and then like put back together, which it's just like he's been transported a few times and he never seemed to give, yeah. give a shit. Has he been? Fuck, has he been transported no. a few times? Yeah, he has, but he always complains. Does he? he Does he always complain? Yeah, he always seems annoyed to get transported. Yeah. Huh. Like, like he, he, Man, nobody wants to do their job today. Well, he's like suddenly annoyed by it, but I think it becomes part of his character in the future too. I mean, like I understand not- it because he is like a, a a medical doctor, so he understands all about the body, and he probably sees that thing as just like bullshit—not witchcraft, but you know what I mean, just like sciencey fucking bullshit that can go wrong. Yeah, I think one part halfway through this, I know one thing about it in the future where it's part of his niche of his character where he hates getting transported because the idea of him getting put up in atoms and then put back together uh, really freaks him out. Yeah. So, well, like, I mean, this, well, fuck yeah. This might be the first time they show it. Maybe you notice it, but I know it's definitely a big part of his character because I remember that being a thing. Huh. Yeah, I, I hadn't noticed that before. But um, uh, McGivers and Scotty, or MacGyvers, I think MacGyvers, uh, joins 
and Scotty join Kirk and Bones on the transporter. And they go and they beam onto the ship, and then they immediately notice that they're surrounded by people that are in sort of like a cryo sleep, and they're all in individual chambers. So Scotty is just like, he's the one guy today that wants to do his job. He immediately just starts examining the ship, and he's like talking to Kirk about its construction and all this shit. Well, he's totally nerding out over it. Oh, dude, he loves it. He's like, this is an old ship, dude. I, it, he literally says he would li- like he would love to tear the thing apart. Like, he just wants to know how it works. Like, fuck yeah, go, go Scotty. But, uh... MacGyver's explains that uh, it looks like they're in a sleeper ship and that the people on board are in a suspended animation because of the time that it used to take them to traverse in space. They couldn't go as quickly as they do now, so they had to, you know, do the whole cryo-sleep thing, uh, which is how you end up with xenomorphs on your ship. Which is funny, they brought up another date when they were talking about that. 2018 is when they made the leap forward to be able to travel faster. Yeah, we missed that one, too. I don't remember really anything great happening in 2018. (laughs) Actually, I don't even think I remember uh, we, 2018. There's some, some kind of science quote I know that, like, if you spend five years in space and then come back, then it's actually 10 years on past on Earth or 50 years or 20 years past on Earth or something like that. There's some kind of there's some, some kind of time dilation when you travel in space than when you're on Earth. Can yeah, you know, what yeah the I know what you're talking you about. I don't know. To the speed of light, like, the slower everything around you goes, but you're still traveling faster so like five years for you is like 10 years for you know earth and that's why well, i was asking you know they never really explained how they get around the time dilation well they don't ever they, they get around it by just fucking never going back to earth or never mentioning it actually that's true. they, they, they <laughs> yeah. never mention it though yeah if you don't talk about it it doesn't exist yeah they don't, they don't mention time dilation so only i know it exists because i've heard about it like scientific nerd wise but they probably probably back then they didn't even think think it was a thing so maybe they, back then they never even considered it. Right. But they do wonder if it's possible for the people in these chambers to be alive. And uh, Scotty gets the lights working on them so that they can uh, have a look around. And then McCoy starts to get a new reading. And his tricorder points him to one of the sleeping people who is starting to wake up. Uh, Kirk asks MacGyver. And he's like, hey, maybe you think this person could be their leader? And she's too busy just staring at this dude because she is just full on like... She she just wants to take him to Pound Town already. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she doesn't respond to Kirk at all. And Kirk's like, hey, yeah, I'm talking to you, you fuck. And so she confirms what he was thinking that, you know, maybe he's their leader and he was the one that was first scheduled to wake up to determine if everything was safe for the rest of the crew to wake up. And she says that she thinks that he might be a Sikh from northern India and that they are fantastic warriors. So... Scotty comes back and he confirms that the others are not waking up and that they're from all over Earth. So they have just like a multicultural crew there. Um, But the cryo chamber that this guy is in starts to malfunction and McCoy's readings confirm that the guy is dying because of it. So they don't have any time to repair the chamber and Kirk just says, fuck it, and smashes it open with his... I forget, does he find something? Yeah, he finds like a tool and just like smashes open the glass. Yeah, something. Yeah, smashes uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, and they just force it open and, and they pull the dude out. And uh, he does that whole, you know, he's like half awake and he's trying to talk, but he can't. And Kirk gets really close and he's like, oh, how long have I been sleeping? And Kirk says that it's been two centuries. And then uh, he rolls back over and he's like, five more minutes. And he just goes back to sleep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do want to say something right here about the the, the art design. The design of this stuff was so damn so cool. Like the background, the costume with the end. Even when he pu- pulled open the door to get the guy, and then the damn uh, door like slid out. 
after he opened it. Like it all looked. Yeah, he was looked, in like a pizza oven. Yeah, yeah, that's what pretty much what it looked like pizza oven. Yeah, yeah, it looked really, really good. Like whoever does the art design in the show and the, the props and everything do a really good job. And I just want to clarify that. Looks, yeah, and and the set builders too. Yeah, they, builders, I mean, they just yeah. did an amazing job on on something you were only gonna really see this one time. Um, yep, and I think it's interesting because. Uh, this is one of the weird shows where I go, I look at the, so I'm watching with you guys, I look at all the background and stuff, and nothing looks dated. Like, it doesn't look dated, all the props stuff they use. It looks, it looks good for the date, but it doesn't, it's not so bad, you're like, oh, I can tell it's an old show. You know, no, right. it's nothing like that. Well, just, I think as time's gone on, it, uh, it's looked better, like the, the graphics look better over time. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I just, I think it just, it looks really, really good. And I just, I don't know, I just, I just know that about it. Yeah, it does hold up really well. And I do frequently forget that it was like made in the 60s. Yeah. Which, which is just a, a testament to how well all of their, their set design and their props and things were made. Yeah. But, uh, they call the Enterprise to have trans, uh, have the Enterprise transport McCoy and, uh, the guy here back over so they can uh, keep him alive. And then we go to a commercial break. Come back. Captain's log says that they've finished examining the SS Botany Bay and they're waiting to see how the, the man recovers before they try to revive the other people, which is a, a, a solid plan. He's like, what if he doesn't make it? But they already started waking everybody up. McCoy is uh, really impressed at the man's physical and recuperative power. So Kirk is on the bridge and he calls down to Scotty, who is on the other vessel still, to see if he's found any books or records of any kind. And Scotty says he hasn't found anything, but he says that it appears that the people were in a suspended animation when the ship launched. So th this isn't something that happened. They launched and then just got in. Uh, he says that 12 of the chambers have malfunctioned, which leaves 72 still operating, uh, 30 of which are women, which was weird that he went around to like get that specific, but okay. good for him. Okay, like, time it may out. come no, in handy later. No, no, we're talking about this right now because I wrote that down myself. He said 30 are women. I'm like, why do you say 30 women? Why did it matter that 30 are women? Like, hey, Kurt. Yay, bro. <laughs> 30, 30 is good. Yeah, specifically. <laughs> he's like, he's like 30 and most of them are blonde yeah, also. Like, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> just a heads up. He's like, 30 are women and 10 of them are blonde. Like, it was such a weird thing. I wrote it down. I just, why did he specify 30 women? Like, why did that matter? It didn't matter at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm poking fun at it, but I think that it's one of those things where they're just trying to solve this mystery of this ship. And so any information right now is good information, maybe. And maybe, fuck, maybe he just wanted to feel like one of the boys for once and, like, throwing <laughs> everything out there so something yeah. sticks. Well, yeah. did, did you see their uniforms from the 90s? Like, man, I, I what were they thinking? Yeah, I remember uh, back in the 90s, I wore that for, like, a week. And I was like, no, nah, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and, and then I stopped. It never caught on. You, you didn't like the see-through clothing? <laughs> Yeah, the weird like gold almost chainmail look was it wasn't really for me. I wasn't tan enough to pull it off is the issue. Wow, nothing for that. Fuck you both. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for Paul to go on a rant about their clothing on it. I, I, I gave I, it time I, I, and they got nothing. Fuck. I was like, I was like, damn, go. I was like, damn, go. Because I, I, was, I was reading my notes when he said that. I was reading, I was reading my notes. My bad. Tough fucking Well, crowd. see, your problem, Brandon, is that you were trying to be emo also wearing <laughs> gold chains. Yeah. yeah, hey, that was goth, all right? It wasn't a face. Oh, oh, my bad. Sorry, sorry. Oh, snap. <laughs> so, so Kirk reports to Spock, who says that he can't find any record of the ship still, and he says that the DY-100 class vessel was made for interplanetary travel and that star travel was considered impractical at that time. 
And uh, he goes on to say that the odds of them making it to another star system were 10,000 to one. And then he's just questioning why there were no records of the ship. And Kirk notes that the Botany Bay was the name of a penal colony in Australia. And Spock doesn't think that it was a group of deported criminals because the entire planet was at war. And that would be a waste of a perfectly good advanced spaceship just to get rid of some criminals. Uh, but he also conf- he says that he has no theory either. Well, I think Spock missed the point of that conversation that originally Australia was a penal colony. That's where the British used to dump their criminals. Like, oh, hey, here's a horrible land where everything tries to kill you. No offense, Australia. But also, why the fuck do they even have this 20th century Earth history expert if Kirk knows everything down to the name of a fucking prison in Australia in the 90s? Like, mm. why, why, do they, why do they even have her if he just knows everything? Or did he research it online? Well, it's in the computer, computer world. Well, well, he's like, if memory serves me correctly, uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> he just goes <laughs> listing every fucking prison that there was in the 90s at the time. And he's so like, now, yeah, there was this one, this one in Australia. Okay, so now Kurt is a genius and he's Superman. So uh, who was a genius and Superman? He's, he's both things. Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk. Yeah, Captain Kirk. He's a superhero and he's a genius. He's both. Hey, that's why he's the captain. Mm. So they have a quick uh, conversation about how Spock doesn't get irritated because Kirk's like, oh, man, not having a theory must be really irritating to you. And Spock's like, well, I don't get irritated. And then they rig the Botany Bay for towing because they're going to take it to Starbase 12. Um, We go to the sick bay and McCoy is monitoring the guy. They, They just pull off the ship as Kirk walks in. And Bones notes that the guy's heart valve action is twice the power of his or Kirk's and his lung efficiency is 50 percent better even in his rested state. So he's like, man, I wonder if he's uh, as smart as he is strong. And then McGivers walks in or MacGyvers. I'm never going to get her. It's just, it's both. I think it's MacGyvers, uh, but she wanders in and, and she's super happy that the guy's likely going to be alive. Cause that means that she can jump his bones later. Uh, but she's unhappy when Kirk pulls her aside and starts to reprimand her for her performance at the landing party, like just not paying attention and just ogling this dude. And he kind of accuses her of finding the guy more compelling to her personally. And uh, she just says that it's a professional thing, but then she's eventually just like, well, okay, maybe I got this little thing for him. And Kirk's like, all right, you see, if we can have honesty, then it's easier for me to overlook mistakes, which I find is true for a lot of people. That's why I wish people would just be fucking honest all the time. But I understand that's that a whole totally. other discussion. Yeah, that's a whole other. It'd be like, yo, I messed up, yada, yada. I, I get what you're saying. Like, all right, cool. Don't let it happen again. Yep. See you later. But uh, she leaves the room, and McCoy makes a joke that uh, Kirk would have made a, a, a fair psychologist. And, and he's just like, fair? I, I think Kirk is just upset that uh, this good-looking chick has a thing for the other dude and not for him. That's his issue That's right kind of what I thought, I think, too. He, he's a little no, jealous. No, actually. No, the term fair is not what you think. He's, he's mad because he, he said fair and not great or amazing. See, back then they used the term oh. fair to describe a, a, a thing. So it's a, yeah. So so you're looking at it the wrong way. Yeah, I called it. I called it that way because I was thinking about the way they talk back then. He's like he's like fair. Like oh, I'll only be fair. Like I'll be yeah, amazing. Like he yeah he, that okay yeah gotcha. Yeah, so it, it's a time thing. I, I'm assuming that's what he meant. That's what because the way they talk back then. Could you could describe something that's fair? Yeah, context clues, and I didn't pick up on them. Yep. So Kirk just leaves the room, and uh, the dude starts to wake up, and he does some really weird stretches. Like I was. Pretty sure he was about to do like some Naruto shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you've been asleep for two hundred years, you gotta you gotta stretch before you move. Yeah, you gotta make sure you can still all do do all that ninjutsu magic stuff. 
I think for for funny, I think it was really funny and cool and original because I never would have thought about somebody doing that in the morning. But then I think about people you do yoga now, so I'm like, yeah, and think about a uh, yoga's Indian, right? And then he's supposed to be from Indian area, right? Right. So yep. he, so I thought when I saw that, I thought, oh, okay, so maybe they they know about yoga, so they're making it like he does, he does a yoga thing every time he gets up in the morning. Yeah, he's I mean. Just got to get his chakra all aligned and shit. Yeah, whatever. Which actually, yoga yoga is really good for you physically too, and damn difficult. I've tried a little bit of it, and it's not it's not as easy as it looks. You would think like you're oh, just moving your flexible. arms and legs and doing poses. That that shit is not easy. But um, he's doing his stretches, and he hears bones talking in the other room, and then uh, he's looking around the room for a a weapon, and he sees some medical tools on the wall, and he grabs what looks like a really long surgical knife. And then he goes back and lays down on the bed and pretends to be asleep. So Bones comes in to check on him. And uh, the guy shoots up and grabs McCoy by the throat and puts the knife to his throat. And then uh, McCoy's just like cold as fuck. Like just stone cold, straight face says, will either choke me or cut my throat. Make up your mind. Like he just doesn't give a fuck. He he even gives them tips on how to do it more efficiently. Like, hey, cut behind my ear. Yeah, he... like, they, the dude is super surprised. Like, first of all, he's surprised to hear Bones speak English. And uh, he wants to know where he is. And then this is where McCoy just gives him a fucking pointer on how to kill him faster with the knife. <laughs> like, he's like, yeah, you know, if you go for the carotid artery. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's like, yeah, look, this is, uh, kill me or let me go, but I got shit to do, all right? This is interesting because I think this is Bone being like some Kurt, how Kurt would be. Like, Kurt would be a oh, super dude, he was being a boss in that moment. Yeah. yeah, just calling the dude's bluff. He's like, look, kill me or don't, but either way, I got shit to do, so yeah. let's get it over with. Yeah, it was fucking, dude, that was a solid moment for McCoy. But uh, the dude ends up letting him go, and he's like, oh, yeah, you're pretty brave. And McCoy says that he was just simply trying to avoid an argument, which yeah. I mean, <laughs> whatever. Sometimes you'd rather die than argue. And uh, he explains the situation to the dude and uh, says that he's been there for, or he's been out for two centuries and then, uh, the guy just wants to know where the captain is. So McCoy goes to the intercom and calls Kirk down to talk to him. And we cut to a little bit later where Kirk goes into the room and introduces himself, but the dude won't give his name until his questions get answered, which is like really shitty as a guest. Like they just, they kind of saved your life. Yeah. We, we saved you, woke you up. Uh, no, go ahead. Be a dick. No, I'm trying to make sure everything's all cool. If I tell you my name, what if I'm, I don't know, Prince, Prince Harry or something. And you're and you're <laughs> and you're something else. Now I want to make sure you, who you are first. Well, I mean, he woke up and he wasn't like strapped down. He wasn't in a cage or anything like that. Alone would make me go, okay, like it can't be that bad, right? Oh, that's how they trick you. Did you, did you get him yeah. off? Yeah, the, <laughs> like, they're, they're playing. They're playing playing eight D chess with him. Yeah, you. Yeah. Think, oh, you think you're free? You think you're free? They transport you into the cage. Yeah, immediately. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, it's all good. I'll tell you everything. Yeah. Thing you know. <laughs> That's what I get you. But he uh, he just wants to know where they're going. So Kirk tells him where they're going, and it doesn't matter because he doesn't know where the fuck that is anyway. And then he asks about the people on his ship, and he's relieved to know that they're alive and that they're going to be revived eventually. And so he does say that his name is Khan, but he won't give a last name. And it's, it's not Khan Supanusenpone for anybody that's ever seen uh, King of the Hill. Oh, never yeah. seen it. All right, well, I've seen King of the Hill, but I don't remember that joke. Khan was the uh, the neighbor from uh, they when he first oh, moved in. He was like the yeah, East Asian yeah, guy, yeah. and they were asking if he was from uh, Japan or China. And he says that he's from Laos, which is a landlocked country in East Southeast Asia. And they're they're like, all right, so are you Chinese or Japanese? <laughs> it's, fucking, it's fucking Khan. 
Uh, oh, I forgot anyway. his name was Khan. Yeah, Khan Super Nusen Pone. He buys uh, a uh, car wash later. But uh, Kirk starts asking Khan some questions and asks if the... He asks the exact day that they lifted off, and, and Khan's like, oh, I'm too tired to answer that. So Kirk's like, ah, it's all right. My questions aren't going to take too long. You go to sleep afterwards. But McCoy interrupts and just tells Kirk to come back another time. So... Before he leaves, Khan wants some reading material, and he says that he's an engineer and that he's interested in studying the technical manuals on the ship, which is so real he can fucking read weird. but not answer questions. Right, he can read technical manuals on a starship, but he, he can't answer any questions right now. So McCurk, McCurk, yeah, uh, that's a McCurk. weird mashup. Oh my god, that's either a fusion or a child. I don't know which. But uh, Kirk says that McCoy will show him how to access the manuals through the computer, and then he just exits the room. And like, did anyone else think that was a terrible idea? Yeah, that's. So I was just about to say. Like, this guy is from the eugenic wars. That should be a red flag right there. Like, hey, maybe we shouldn't give this guy unfettered, you know, no. access to our yeah. information. Okay, guys, you're wrong right. about the whole situation is messed up. Here's what he said. He said the, the tech manual is available to anybody on the ship. He said that. Right. To anybody. But yeah, they're all Starfleet on the ship for the most part. Yeah, anybody that comes to the ship has access to it. That's to their tech manuals. I don't think that's smart. No, not at all. Like, it's, it's not about him having access to it. It's about the fact that he, he clearly said that anybody has access to it. I don't get that at all. And that means anybody in the ship at all can look in there, learn stuff, change things around, do whatever you want to do by studying the manuals. Yeah, like, I can't just show up at an Air Force base and be like, hey, can I get the tech manual for that stealth bomber out there? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, here you go. Read this yeah, it's available to everybody. Here yeah. you go. There's just like fucking 100 copies of it sitting on the counter. Yeah, they're I just counting that on that you won't understand it, right? And that's that was one of my issues with. First of all, yeah, why the fuck is that available to everybody? But second of all, like, why is Kirk always such a bad judge of character that he can't see that this guy is not chill and don't like just don't give him access to that? Be like, sorry, all we have are issues of Spider Man. Just like let him fucking read that, <laughs> or or, or Spider Man. Offer him a history. Offer him the thing of history. Right. Yeah. Let him get caught up a little bit. Yeah. But hey, you know, I know you've been hit 20 years of history just so you know, so you can study it, you know, something. Yeah. That, that seems like really bad protocol to just make that available. Yeah. Here's how to take over the ship if you want to. Cough, cough. Yeah. <laughs> but um, a little bit later on the bridge, uh, Kirk and Spock are discussing Khan and they think that he's a product of selective breeding. They're like, he might be a Superman. So. Actually, don't we all breed selectively? Like, well, I guess some people don't because they got like forty-five fucking kids. But anyway, <laughs> no, they selected these. They selected those women. Though. They selected those women yeah. technically. That's the worst. That's selective. Yeah. That's selective and selective, and they, they select all the women. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> select every single one. <laughs> so they're just doing what Kirk does in the future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I choose you. <laughs> So uh, they start to talk about how the people in the program started fighting with each other uh, because Spock puts it very, very well. And he says that superior ability breeds superior ambition, which is what we were talking about at the beginning, Paul, when you were talking about like how you thought it was a good idea that they were fighting. And they they made that like they fleshed that out really well that, yeah, people that can do pretty much anything are going to want to do like everything. Like eventually it's not going to be enough. And I think that it's a very well put together plot device for like the the eugenics wars is something that I hope that we get to learn more about in this series because it's a super interesting period where apparently we said hey you know let's try to make humanity better 
And then the people that got made better thought that they were just above everybody and then like used their betterment in a way that they were not supposed to, which I think is just like it's it's a it's a really good idea. In my mind, when they were talking about it, all I could picture was a bunch of like homelanders running around just yeah, exactly. doing horrible things. I mean, that, so is this our new that, TV yeah. show? Our next TV show, Star Trek Eugenics War? Yeah, I mean, I'd watch it. Fuck, I mean, I'd watch it all. Yeah, Star Trek Eugenics War. I assume this is our next show where uh, it just shows the war Eugenics Wars or whatever. And I guess it, it don't have to be that current either because it, the, the 90s is the kind of open world of Star Trek. We didn't know, really know what was going on. So you, right. so you're really open to ha- have the world however you want to. You could do something like the Rise of Khan, you know, showing yeah. him conquering uh, what they say, like Asia, the Middle East, and part of Africa. Yeah, give us the young Khan, like, coming to power and just having his rule. And then at the end, he'll get launched into space, and then it'll be the gap. Yeah, just gap whatever between. happened to cause him to leave, yeah. yeah. I think that would be a great idea yeah. for a TV show. Yeah. Well, well, we could want a great TV show. Star Trek, we want royalties. Yeah, Par- Paramount. Paramount. You, like, get a hold of us, please. Please, we got great ideas for shows for you, I promise you. Paul <laughs> can even write them. You, you can, you yeah. I can even write. That's right. I can write it. We can milk the hell out of Star Trek. You, you understand how much money we can make? I'm telling I just, you. I just want a cameo every season where I'm like mopping a, a corridor in the Enterprise. That's all I want. Oh no, I want a cameo where I'm a ca- I'm a ship captain every epi- uh, every time, every season. <laughs> every season. Yeah. Every, every season, I want to be the you captain. I, the, I know the I'll be on the lower Virginia. deck, so I just accept that uh, I'll be one of the characters that will be getting killed off. <laughs> immediately <laughs> just immediately i have my fingers like, don't hey pick i'm, me, don't I'm pick corporal me, don't dan and then you're dead <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah paul you could play your own ancestors throughout the uh the time periods like uh, the different uh periods in the different timelines yeah uh, yep, see i like it, it just like you're just like my son is gonna be the greatest captain even a better one than me and then in a different <laughs> series you're like i'm a better captain than my dad but my son's gonna be a better one than me and then the next series you're just like my great grandpappy was a captain i'm good if i was a captain you know what <laughs> you all look exactly the same <laughs> i like this i like this yep that's where we're going with it oh man let's do it so these guys they continue to talk about the people in the eugenics program and uh Spock says that when the supermen were finally defeated, uh, there were 80 or 90 of them that were unaccounted for. And Kirk notes that history texts don't include that fact. And Spock is like, well, it was likely kept a secret because would you want these, uh, you know, newly peaceful uh, countries and things to know? And would you want the public to know that, you know, the people responsible for this time period are still alive? Which, I mean, fuck yeah, just let them, you know, a little vigilante justice. Does that mean that? Uh, since they didn't tell the the world population that they had like eighty or ninety like supermen running around, that you would think that every time they would have an offspring was someone who isn't, you know, superior. Wouldn't your wouldn't your children's genetics become superior over time? Yeah, you would think so. Because their 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 genes would be the dominant genes being passed down. You would right. imagine. Right. Yeah, they'd have to be. Yeah, but I think the bigger thing is I don't think somebody would take somebody inferior. As a as a spouse, there's always going to be that one, and then that's when we make a movie about it, where the one guy has just a regular human wife, but his leader doesn't think it's a good idea because these people are beneath us, and he's like, "No, there's good in them," and then they fight, and the good guy eventually wins. Yeah, well, man, another movie. That, that, there's probably about fifty movies like that. There's other bunch of movies like that already. Yeah, yeah. I I was just gonna say that having these eighty to ninety supermen around is probably why Shield was made. It was to oversee them. <laughs> no. but, yeah, that's a different universe. <laughs> Yeah, they they captured one and then they uh, 
took his DNA and refined it even more and made Captain America. 80 Captain Americas? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and then we, got a show, then we got a show about going after those guys. Yeah, I like it. Well, I mean, that, that Disney already made that one, so... I think it was uh, Captain Falcon or Captain uh, Captain America and the the Falcon of the Winter Soldier. Holy hell. I got there eventually. Anyway, we go to the uh, sick bay and MacGyver's is talking to Khan and he immediately just starts hitting on her. He's like, yo, girl, I saw you liked, you know, everything about me. And uh, she tries to talk to him about his his ship and he just starts criticizing her hair. (laughs) It's it's good to know that even in the future, the old treat them like dirt move still works. Because he's just like, your hair looks like shit. And she's like, you're right. <laughs> you're right, marry me. <laughs> he's like, here's the, here's the one we go that I brought all the way back from the 90s. Let's see if this still works. Still hey, you look like shit. And she's like, yes, Maybe. I do. Yes, I Maybe do. that's why she liked him so much. She's like, I'm a 90s gal at heart. I like being treated like crap. <laughs> that's why she studied it. Oh, my God. I don't want to laugh. I should laugh at this. This is this ain't funny. This is not funny. <laughs> <laughs> this is messed up. Oh my god, women are gonna hate us. Hey, women, should, hey, uh, we, I love you. No matter what they say, Paul yeah. loves you. Please listen to us. Please don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> They're all shutting it off right now. Off like these guys. <laughs> uh, but uh. Yeah, so he starts to fix her hair for her, but all he does is just fuck it up. <laughs> he just he makes it worse. I mean, he's, he's got like, long better. hair. Like, like he, 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 he took out two pins. Yeah, like <laughs> right. It just it just kind of let it fall. Like he could have braided it or something. I, he he has to know how to braid his hair. It's kind of long. Something like I can do a braid. Yeah, she just she keeps trying to keep it professional, but she's not doing a very good job of it. And then she tries to leave. And he just grabs her and he's <laughs> this fucking wild close up, like almost up his nose. And he's like, I'm glad you came. Please come again. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know what the fuck that was. Oh, my God. We got it. That's I, I, I think you missed something where they cut it out of an uh, inappropriate scene. Oh, yeah, man. I don't fucking know. Uh, it's very awkward. It's very awkward. It's like it's it's awkward in a way of like I don't know. It's just weird. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah, but it's, it's but it makes me laugh though. But it's very uncomfortable at the same time. Yeah. Um. So a little bit later, we are preparing for dinner, and they're serving uh, celery and colored f- food shapes again. And McCoy walks in. He's like, "This is very impressive. Like, it doesn't take much to impress you." Then that's fucking celery on a plate and some colored, like, wooden-looking food cubes. And he's like, "Fantastic! You got someone to cut the celery." <laughs> they didn't. Went though. All it's, out. It still had leaves on it. I think. Uh. <laughs> so Kirk is there, and he explains that they're preparing a welcoming dinner for Khan at the suggestion of MacGyver's. And he he's just like, "How attracted." Is she to Khan? He's like, it's, it's just at this point, it's just a professional curiosity, but I don't think it is. I think he, he either wants her or he wants Khan or he, he wants both. He. he wants in on that action. He's like, look, yeah. I'm good looking. She's good looking. Khan's good looking. Like, let's, good looking. let's make this thing happen. Uh, it's, it's been, like, hey, Khan, it's the future. Khan, like, hey, girl, it's been 200 years since I, you know, <laughs> he got down. Yeah. <laughs> The first, the first female, <laughs> the first female I see, I definitely, I definitely want her. Like, I just want to yeah. clarify, that's the first female he saw since he was frozen. Yeah, he's like, man, I was a nerd in my time, but the chicks here love me. Like, <laughs> the first one that sees him is all about him. Yep. 
But uh, Bone ma- Bones makes a comment about Khan's magnetism, saying that it could overpower McGivers, which is fucking ridiculous. Like, this is some yeah. kind of science thing, and Khan's magnetism is a 10, but her magnetism defense is only an 8, so he automatically wins. When, when they mentioned that, though, in my head, I thought, why they couldn't say, like, they, they exude some kind of fer- uh, pheromone that seems to make him intoxicating to any, any women around him? Like, like, if they had added that genetically, I could have grabbed my head around that. But the, the terminology you was like, oh, she just can't resist him just because. I didn't think that was very, very good at all. Well, she was thirsty for him the, as soon as she laid eyes on him. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like they didn't even have to really say it. Like, just like, oh, do you think uh, you think she wants that dude? And then all you had to be, do was be like, yeah. 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 <laughs> like, and that's it. Maybe she's like, hey, I bet he he played Mario Kart. I finally can play Mario Kart <laughs> with somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, finally. Yeah. Somebody somebody can play these games I studied with. Yeah, I think it was it, it is uh it came on very quickly. I know these shows are only a half hour long, et cetera, et cetera. But this is another episode where I feel like the build up could have been longer before she decided to betray him. You know? I just yeah. she automatically liked I mean, she automatically liked them already. Like as, already. She liked them super yeah. looked at them once and she had a Google ads already. So you kinda knew where this it was going from from like the first ten minutes of the show. Yeah. But we uh, we go to actually to uh, MacGyver's room and Khan walks in and he's wearing this fucking sick ass gold outfit and I'm not even kidding like the thing is it looks pretty good like that yeah. jacket looks comfortable as fuck and it's really well made yeah and uh, he compliments MacGyver's paintings and uh, compliments her on her new hairstyle which she just kind of let her hair down really and then uh, he's like walking around fucking with stuff and he uncovers a painting of uh, himself that she had started and he says that he's very honored that she's doing that. Uh, but he cautions her about bold men that she's interested in, saying that uh, bold men just take what they want. And then he kisses her, and she does that fucking weird old school movie kiss thing where she like puts her arms under his underarms, like yeah. under his armpits, and then uh-huh. grabs his shoulders from was, behind. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like I've I've never been kissed like that. Am I doing it wrong? I'm, like am, I'm, I, I'm, am I not good enough that nobody does that? Yeah, apparently you're not doing the right thing, so you're not doing the kind of kisses that you need. Yeah. They don't hit me with the fucking reverse T Rex arms. Just grab my shoulders, and then, and then I was like, "I'm gonna enough." But I, like, I was like, "I'm just gonna do that to my wife, even though she's shorter than me." I'm just gonna fucking like crouch and just get my arms up <laughs> well, under there. Then she's gonna be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" I'm like, I saw it on Star Trek. It's not a big deal. <laughs> but uh, we go to the dinner, and Kirk asks Khan to tell them about his journey, and Spock just j- fucking jumps on him. He's like, "Yeah, why are you in the history books, motherfucker?" Just, <laughs> just insane. <laughs> and uh, Khan and Spock, they start to go back and forth about the uh, war to end tyranny on Earth. And Khan seems to favor the idea of a dictator overseeing all of Earth. And so he commends Kirk for, he's like, hey, you do a great job letting your second in command attack me over here while you just sit and watch me for a weakness. And Kirk is like, hey, you're using military terms. Uh, it's just a social occasion. And Khan responds that it's been said that social occasions are only warfare concealed. And many people prefer it more honest and open. There's some good dialogue back and forth during this dinner. There really is. Well, this is very um, reminiscent of a Kodai movie, I think, where it's a chess match between two guys who are having a conversation, trying to read each other, trying to see what kind of men they are to, to try, you know, try to get what they want from each other. Right, and Khan notices that you know, Kirk is playing the game of letting Spock have the match while he just watches how Khan plays. How, how Khan, yeah. Is, it's really solid. And the fact that Khan, well, the idea that Khan even recognizes it is a 
is a battle in itself. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, like, like, I know, like, I'm smart enough to know. Oh, you're doing that, but I'm smart enough to know what you're doing. So here's, you know, so I'm gonna mention it just so you know that I understand what you're doing, and you can't get it past me. Yeah, and he's either confident or dumb enough to say he knows it. Yep. The funny thing, though, the conversation happened naturally. It's not like Kirk told Spock to interrogate yeah. it, interrogate him. Spock yeah. just right. started asking questions. Because they're just a killer fucking yeah, team, but man. If it, but yeah, but if you didn't, Kirk knew how Spock was going to react because he knew Spock. He knew exactly what Spock was going to do. That's true. So, so, so Spock, Kirk already had a plan to say, like, I'm going to be Spock going to do. Spock going to ask the question he needs to ask because I know Spock. He's going to do what he has to do. So I'm going to be ready to look and watch to see how he reacts so I understand what kind of man he is and what exactly he wants. Because he's because Kurt still is trying to figure out his intentions. Still, he don't know. Like, I, right? I, and he doesn't know how to approach it, and, and he doesn't know how to exactly ask the question. Like, hey, what are your intentions? Like, oh, that sounds that that might come off high style, and Kurt's trying to just understand what kind of person he is. I just I just think it's fucking hilarious though that Spock was just so open, like just so upfront. Because Kirk's just like, hey, tell me about your journey here. But Spock is just like. Doesn't even wait for him to start to answer. Just like in the back, he's like, "And why are you in the history books?" <laughs> like, yeah, right, dude. Like, like in the background, uh, going down in the background, saying yeah. stuff in the background. Yeah, I see you saying now. I can picture in my head like somebody behind the background, like, "Oh yeah," and he said about your mama too. Like, in the- <laughs> yeah. it's it's just funny as shit coming yeah. from uh, from Spock. I get, I get what you're saying, but now. uh, but Kirk says that Khan was afraid and that he fled when mankind needed courage and, and Khan gets kind of mad and he says he's never been afraid. And he's like, we offer the world order, the new world order, brother, uh, <laughs> which is not what they are. <laughs> Come on, I got a For good one today. Jesus. Dude, I, know, I got you. I know what it is. Unless you're a wolf pack man. Yeah, but hey, they're still NWO. But Kirk is just like, oh, who is the, the we that you're talking about? And Khan's like, I'm feeling a little fatigued. I think I need to go. And he, yep. he asked Kirk for permission to return to his quarters, and Kirk lets him go. And that is a very good move from Khan. Yeah. Because if Kirk says no, then it just makes Kirk look petty and controlling. Yep. But if he says yes, then he knows that he's letting Khan have his way, and mm-hmm. it makes him look weak to let him get his way. So, yep. like, that was like he could have just got up and left, but he asked for permission yep. for the guy who's trying to be in charge. And yep. that's a solid fucking move because that's a no win situation for Kirk. I liked it. I thought it was smart myself too. I thought it was smart he asked and then excuse me, can I excuse me? And then Kurt Ray, uh raised up, he stood up and then he stood up and left too. Yep. Solid move. Solid writing. Yep. Uh, and like and just great acting in this in this scene. I mean, like pretty much always, but in this like this is really good. So uh we go to Khan's quarters and MacGyver's enters to apologize for the way that he was treated and she says that she doesn't know if uh Khan's gonna like living in her time and he like pushes her away. And he tells her that she needs to either go or she can stay, but just, you know, hey, do whatever the hell you want to do, basically. The mind games have begun. Yep. So she decides she's going to stay a little longer. And he's like, well, you know, how much is a little longer? He's like, you know what? Actually, just just, uh, you know, if you want to stay, you have to ask me to. And so she does. And it's like, damn, dude, it's been like a. A day and a half, and you're already in that like fucking toxic, yeah. abusive struggle. Like he moves <laughs> yeah. quick. He's like, he's like, now I'm gonna make you beg it. Now I'm gonna make you beg. After you ask them, now I'll beg, and now get on your knees and say you want to be with me. And I'm sitting there. And this was the point where I actually hated Khan. Like I, I knew that yeah. he was a bad guy, so I'm like, yeah. oh, you know, he's bad. Uh, but he's he was good at being the bad guy. Yeah. And this is one of those things that's just like makes him a total piece of shit, and like makes you hate him for a completely different, different reason. reason. Yeah. Yep. 
Like even like, okay, you were, you know, you, you're up to something nefarious and that's cool. Like you're a bad guy, but then like you start acting like this. All right. Now you're just a fucking piece of shit. You know, also during this, the scene, man, I've never seen someone develop Stockholm syndrome so fast. Yeah. No shit, dude. Well, that's the issue with the whole, with the whole thing about, uh, me saying earlier, it happened so fast and gradually. I feel like this, this character is so good. This could have been two episodes. And it could have been this could have been a like, fucking season. Yeah, like yeah, this could have been like a really good buildup or whatever of her of this situation and, and her choosing to be with him or whatever. Because like the whole like the dynamic they're having is a dynamic that's messed up to say, but some women have this dynamic in real life. That's why it hits harder now than back than I think back then. Because I think I've known women in her life that had guys in her life that act like this. So I think it hits harder. And like I think the emotion behind this is so much so deep, so deep that they really could have spent time really developed relationship just a little better it's it sucks that it was just only one episode right you know and it wasn't like a build-up because right. I, I feel like man this is just, it's such a good character to have like he's bad but he's not bad i mean he's bad but his intentions are in a way to to rule and rule by domination but in his but they say later while, while he was ruling there was uh, there was no crime there was no you know there was no uh, criminals like all this stuff going on so like while he was ruling all this good stuff happened. So technically, even though we look at him as a bad guy, under his rule, great things were happening. So, yeah. it, so it's just it's it's a very uh, it's very weird, and interesting that character. And I just I wish they had so much time to get, jump into his character a lot more because I just think they didn't do him justice. Yeah, absolutely. So then he does this weird thing where he uh, he forces her to her knees and tells her to open her heart, saying that he wants her to help take the ship. I, I didn't think that's what he was going to ask her when he made her get on her knees. Yeah, I wasn't sure where that was going either. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, we went we went to heart. She says that she just doesn't want him to hurt anybody. And he's not he doesn't promise that he's not going to. And he just tosses her aside. He's like, all right, get out. After, you know, making her ask to stay, he tells her to leave. Yeah. And so she refuses to leave and then promises to do anything that he asks. And I was like, man, this dude is just he's a fucking coward. You guys realize what, what, what scene like, this is right here? The scene right here actually is uh, Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine when he chooses the dark side. Because he literally, he, like the whole back and forth or whatever, and then at the end he's like, to, to say, well, then if you, I can save your wife or whatever, he says, I'll do anything you ask. Then he becomes the bad guy. This is kind of a moment for her where she's like, I'll do anything you ask. And now she's now a Lord Vader before he hurts himself. And now she's going to do all the bad things that he, to, to make sure that he, he gets a power. So You know, we... We we don't know long how how long she's been serving on the Enterprise, but man, she threw all her uh, colleagues under under the bus really quick. Yeah, real fucking fast. That's the only issue I have, and I think it just that's the only bad bad writing they did for this part was they made it happen so fast. Yeah, and that's to me that's not even really like a bad writing thing. It's just that they only got an hour to tell a story, and it fucking sucks because they have some good stories that could use a lot more fleshing out. Yep. Like it, they're yep. they're a victim of their own like good writing in a lot of these episodes, and it does it normally doesn't detract anything for yeah. me. It's just like oh that sucks, but like man, I really would have liked to see this episode when you um, you know get get more done with it. When you studied the actor that played Khan or whatever, did it say that there's other episodes of Khan, or just the next time we see him is in that movie? Uh, not until the movie, I don't think. Okay, see, well then they must have saw something in this character that was. The, they should bring back 20 years later. There must have been something. Somebody somewhere saw, you know, some guy trying to help with the Star Trek franchise franchise 
took a look at this and said, man, there is a lot here to work with and we can really do something good with it. And and they're not wrong. There is a lot of really good shit in this episode. I just I wish they had more time with it. Um, like this episode could have been a movie. Yeah. And it, it, it just slap another fucking hour on there, flesh yeah. some of this stuff out. That like I said earlier, this episode could have been an entire season. You mm-hmm. could have built this up. Yeah. Like it there's there's a lot of good stuff in here. It, and particularly with I felt her betrayal would have been more epic if it if it had been led on to the end where you wasn't sure and then at right at the last moment she betrayed everybody. You're like, oh right. she with him. Like, oh we wasn't sure, but I think it could have been a more defining moment. I mean, even though this scene is really good with the whole what, what he made her do, I felt like this, it could have been bigger. I just for for really right. yeah, they could have made the impact bigger. of her betrayal hit harder if they yeah. you know, like Brandon said, had a whole season to span out the you know a, well, a storyline between the two of them. But not even a season, a couple episodes, oh, two episodes would have been fine. Yeah, like another right. Ten minutes would have been great. Yeah, yeah, for real. It's just a little more time, just a tad more time. I think it would have been better. But they also they frequently fall victim, and this is basically me doing my end of the episode wrap up here. But they they fall victim to their own uh, uh, their own patterns in this show, and that they take a very long time to set up the beginning of an episode, and then your middle. Uh, like your conflict is very sudden and then the resolution is even faster. If they would just cut out a lot of shit in the beginning of this, let them uh, like expand uh, the middle of it and give okay. a little more time to flesh out that ending, these episodes would be fantastic. But they spend too much time setting it up. So we're 30 minutes in and he just brought up, he wants to take over the ship now and it's about 10 minutes right. of that and then the five minute, oh, you're right. I never even thought about that too, bro. The way they put, and it's every big episode like this. They just they spent too much time in the setup. They don't give it enough time to develop, and then no. they don't give it any time to resolve. So it's always real quick, and it's not satisfying. Okay, I understand. But uh, what was satisfying was we went to a commercial break, and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> we come back to Run Kirk to McCoy, Scotty. <laughs> was that around back then? You know, we're not getting into that. Uh, <laughs> Kirk McCoy and Scotty and Spock are in a briefing room going over the personal history of Khan. Uh, Khan Noonien Singh is what his name is. And Spock says that through from 1992 through 1996, Khan was the absolute ruler of over a quarter of the earth from Asia through the Middle East. A regular old Genghis Khan he was. Yeah. Well, that's a name. Whatever that is, why he's named that. But McCoy notes that uh, Khan was the last of the tyrants to be overthrown. So they haven't had any more issues since him. But he like he fucked things up so bad that nobody ever wanted to do that again. <laughs> and uh, Kirk and Scotty confess their admiration for Khan, saying that he was he really was the best of the tyrants, you know. And Spock is like, well, that's incredibly concerning. And Kirk explains that humans have a, a streak of barbarism in them. And uh, Scotty's like, well, you know, there weren't any massacres under Khan, so that's a good thing. Spock says that, uh, well, there was also no freedom. And McCoy is like, well, uh, there were no wars unless Khan was attacked. So Spock again expresses his concern and the others just kind of laugh at him. And Kirk's like, well, you know, we can be against Khan, but still admire him at the same time. And Spock says that he finds that illogical. And Kirk is like, yes, it is. It's very illogical. You are 100% right. Which yeah. us humans, we do do that, though, which is interesting that, you know, they yeah. kind of break the force wall and point that out. Yeah, and, and people look at us, you know, sometimes people look at you the same way Spock looked at them, like, oh, you know, you must agree with it, because now everything is, uh, it's absolutes now, like, you're either right. 100% for 
for is, or against something, which is I, fucking I like, dumb. I like you, bitch, that, which, which is the issue, one of the big issues in life in general is, particularly nowadays, where you're either this way or this way. You can't be in the middle. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's not to get into current, you know, affairs and things, but yeah, it's, it's, I, 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 I think we all agree that that's fucking dumb. Yep. I agree. Yep. But, uh, Kirk calls security, speaking of fucking dumb things, and uh, has him put a 24-hour watch on Khan's quarters. So a little bit later, Kirk enters Khan's room to find him meditating and wearing a Starfleet uniform. And you, you can see it on his face. He's real fucking confused about it. He's like, what the fuck is he doing in this uniform? But he doesn't say anything. And uh, he wants uh, some answers to the questions that he had earlier. And Khan just explains that they had left Earth to start a new life. And he goes on to talk about how unimpressed he is with humanity's evolution and his time away. And then Kirk's like, all right, I'm, I'm done here. All of my questions have been answered. Because uh, Khan's like, where are you going? I thought you wanted uh, you know, more answers. And he's like, no, you've, you've answered everything. Thank you. And then uh, he leaves. When he leaves, they show like the guard standing next to the door outside. And this, I, I, I fucking knew, I knew. I figured it was going to play out this way. But I made this note. And I said, I never understood having a guard stand next to a door. Wouldn't it be better to have him stand across from the door so that he could be facing the potential threat that's leaving the room? And then <laughs> well, that would just make sense. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then that's in like, it, they even do that now in movies and shows. It's really dumb. But, uh, Khan goes up to the door and he's super fucking strong. So he just forces it open. Like he pries it open and then he beats the shit out of the guard outside and like sends him flying down the corridor. Now, if the guard was standing across the corridor, like on the other side, facing the wall, could have just blasted him as soon as that door opened. But nope, didn't stand a chance. Yeah, um, Khan's uh, Star Trek outfit, or well, Starfleet outfit, I wonder if it's different, because I think he had a weird symbol on his. Instead of a star, he has a swirl. Well, yeah, because remember that just denotes the different uh, uh, areas of the ship that you work in or whatever, the different departments? Yeah, I'm just wondering where he, where he got his, uh, his suit from. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the swirl one means. But yeah. I know that they have like different uh, different logos for different areas that you work in. Yeah, I just wonder where he got his from. Yeah, yeah, that's they never explained that. Uh, that was one of the things I thought was going to be like maybe she got him a uniform and he was going to sneak around the ship because not everybody knows what he looks like. But that that never happened either. So a little bit later on the Botany Bay, uh, a lot of the people are awake and they've been given phasers, and Khan is there just like handing out phasers. And uh, we come back to the Enterprise bridge, and Kirk gets a call from a very relaxed security guard. He's just like, oh, hey, Khan got away, bruh. <laughs> and uh, they go to a security alert, and but they the communication channels have been jammed, so they can't do anything. And Kirk tries to leave, but the elevators are also jammed, and they've been cut off from the atmospheric controls. I don't know why he went to that control room. He's like, wait, we can't call out, and we can't get out. I better go look at the atmosphere yeah. Like, to make sure that we can breathe. But uh, they can't do anything with it. So they call Scotty in engineering and Khan answers. And uh, he tells Kirk that the ship is now his and that he's willing to negotiate for it. And uh, Kirk is like, all right, fuck it. Hey, Spock, flood all the decks with neural gas. And I'm like, that's been an option the entire time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, so they got that installed the last time they went to uh, the star base. <laughs> Bro, yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, what in the world is this? I didn't know this was a thing. Like, they had an escaped prisoner with a wiped mind, a very dangerous man running around the ship, and they didn't bother to do that. Like, they had a ship full of people with a virus that made them act fucking crazy, and they didn't do that? They've had Gary Mitchell-like beans on the ship. To me, I think, I feel like they, 
they uh, come up with cool ideas later on and add it up and think we're not smart enough to think, oh, what about that one time you didn't use that? That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I remember well, that. Like, I've like watched I was saying, that one time. Like I was saying, maybe they, they up their defenses after all these breaches that they've had. Uh, okay, okay, we'll give them a pass. We'll yeah, they, they learn their lesson and they're just trying to make sure it doesn't happen again. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah, I would accept that. Um, but it doesn't matter because they can't do that either. They can't use their, their neural gas. So Kirk wants Uhuru to contact Starbase 12, and she's like, oh, yeah, why don't you do it yourself? Like, you were going to do that fucking uh, Morse code thing earlier, you dick. <laughs> I would have loved if she would have turned around and was the bitch to him. Like, no, I'm not right. going to do that. <laughs> you were rude to me earlier. <laughs> right. Um, but she does try it, and all of their channels are jammed, of course. Everything's just broke. So uh, Khan demands that Kirk surrender the bridge, or telling him that if he doesn't, everybody there is going to suffocate. And then we go to a commercial. We get a captain's log from a really angry Kirk stating that Khan and his people have the Enterprise and that they have discarded their own ship. So they, they got rid of the tractor beam. They're not towing it anymore. And the bridge is running low on air. And uh, Kirk is recommending commendations for uh, basically everyone in the crew because he just figures they're all fucked. Because like at this point, the camera's panning around and everybody's like passed out or passing out. So he's like, yeah, make sure you get these guys medals because I can't get them any air. Which I, I feel like... I'm. I'm going to jump in here really quick because I don't know if Paul's going to bring this up or not. But once again, Kirk, last man standing, where you would think Spock would be the, the last one to go down. Okay, yeah, thank Spock's you for bringing it up for me because I put Kirk Superman on here. I put Kirk, last one me, uh, last one sleep, Kirk equals Superman once again. I, I didn't notice how much it's going to drive me crazy this whole show. Every time I see it, he's always the last one. I get it. But it's it, not Spock. It doesn't really drive me crazy, but w- when they've shown Spock to be, I guess, the superior being between, you know, yes. humans and, you know, h- him, you, you would have, you would think he would be the last one to go down. And every, right. But every situation, though, because later on, it's going to happen later when we see Superman, Kurt, too, and I'll bring it up later when it happens. It's just, it's starting to annoy me now. And I, I, I thought, like, I still love the show to death, but Kurt can't be super everything. He can't be a genius yeah. and a super and have super strength and have super healing too, and be you know like he, he can't have everything. Like it just it makes for a show that just I don't know. It kind of it's starting to annoy me. It's starting to get me. Paul, hold on. Backstory for Kirk. Maybe his family is lineage from the eugenic wars. Oh, so so he's eugenically superior. I he is it. a Superman. Yeah. Yeah. What I think is hilarious is that uh. They're running out of oxygen, so he would be like, you know, hey, everybody in the, the bridge, this is what's going on. We're running out of air. We're probably not going to make it, so we need to do our best to conserve air. You guys stop breathing while I go ahead and make a fucking vocal diary <laughs> entry. And he's just over there sucking up all that air. <laughs> so, yeah, everybody on the deck is passed out, or they're dead, but they never say they died, so I didn't add anything to the death count. And uh, he finishes his log, and then he passes out. Well, he tries to finish, but he, he passes out before he can. And then uh, a little bit later, Khan has woken everybody up and gathered them in uh, a room. And he's lecturing them on how they have only improved their technology, but they haven't improved as humans during his time away. And he offers to let them join him because he needs their training to operate the ship. And uh, Scotty just wants to know where Kirk is. And Khan uh, has Uhura go over and turn on a viewing screen, uh, but she resists. And she gets backhanded real fucking hard Man, by one of Khan's guys. Day. No. And but here's the thing though. Like Uhura is they didn't they didn't highlight it. Uhura's a fucking badass. These dudes are supermen 
and he backhands the fuck out of her like he didn't hold back and then she turns and looks at him like is that it like yeah. fucking do it again bitch see what happens <laughs> like yeah. dude she's like i'm about to fuck your world up yeah dude like she didn't give a shit and you know fuck good for her you know who was tough as fuck so he goes to hit her again and uh, macgyver stops him and uh, they turn on the screen to show the medical decompression chamber losing pressure, and Kirk is inside of it. So uh, Khan is like, look, hey, Spock, if you join me, I can stop this and we can spare Kirk. And uh, he threatens to put the crew in the chamber one by one and, you know, make them watch each other die. But MacGyver says that she doesn't want to watch this. She, Well, she asks, can she not watch this? And Khan's like, all right, you're weak. Go ahead and leave. So she does leave. And, uh... Khan says that if even just one person joins him, then he will let Kirk live. And they're all like, well, we actually kind of hate Kirk. We're, we're waiting for him to die. Then we're going to join you. Uh, they suddenly lose video. And uh, the guard goes, <laughs> his, his first instinct is just to go smack Ahura. <laughs> so he goes over there to do it. But uh, Khan stops him and says that he's like, yeah, it's no big deal. Kirk's dead. It doesn't really matter. We don't need to see this anymore. And he tells the guard to take Spock to the chamber next. And we go to the chamber and MacGyver approaches the guard who's guarding the chamber and tricks him into looking away. And then she injects him with something that just knocks him out. So she increases the pressure and she frees Kirk from the chamber and uh, asks him not to kill Khan as a trade for saving his life, which is real fucking dumb. And uh, Spock and his guard escort, they enter the room. Kirk kind of hides for a second. And then when they pass by, they do the old jump on him, beat the fuck out of him thing. And Spock does the nerve pinch to render the guard unconscious, which means that it even works on super beings. So, I'm about like, to say that. You know, after, after Spock did that, I'm like, man, I want to see a showdown between Spock and Khan, just a, a brawl. Khan would be I the brakes off of Spock, man. Khan would be the brakes off Spock. Well, I wanted to see, it doesn't even have to be against Khan. Just, I mean, all of these super people should be as strong as him, right? I yeah. wanted to see that just so we know where Spock measures up against people like that. Like, how strong is he compared to the average man? Can he take, you know, a Superman? Yeah, I understand that. So, uh, Spock brings Kirk up to speed on everything, and they form a plan to get gas to every deck but the one that they're on. And then... Khan tries to call his crew, but he doesn't get an answer, and then gas starts flooding the room. So the crew that are in there just starts beating up Khan's people, and, and Khan just runs away like a bitch and leaves everybody else there to pass out. Okay, part and, one uh, here. Scotty I was hoping Uhura, Uhura was going to get up and, like, kick the guy in the balls that, you know, hit her. Yeah, but all right? the, even the punches, though, even the punches that uh, they threw him, you shouldn't have hurt him that bad because they're superhuman. All of them are stronger than Khan, right? Right. So I thought you would the, think, yeah. I think the punches they threw would be kind of annoying. Like, oh, yeah, okay, you think that, like... And if you caught him off it was guard. The, uh, the, the surprise that got him more than the actual punch itself because they just yeah. weren't expecting it. I suppose and so. And then you couple that with the gas pouring in the room. Yeah. So uh, Kirk shows up in the corridor. And he finds Scotty there, and uh, Scotty tells him that Khan got away. And Spock calls Kirk to tell him that somebody closed the gas line in engineering. And Kirk's just like, well, that's where Khan is. So he just starts running that way. And we go to engineering. And uh, Khan's there messing with a console, and you, he can hear Spock and Scotty having a conversation over the intercom. And uh, they, they're talking about, like, Kirk is headed to the engineering room. Yep. He's going to go get Khan. So Khan hears that, and he's like, all right, I guess I'll just jump him when he gets here. And that's what he does. He hides. And uh, as soon as Kirk gets in there, he jumps him. And, like, Spock and Scotty continue their, their plan to meet in the armory. And I thought that maybe they were going to do this thing where they were – they, they knew that Khan could hear that and they were going to say that like Kirk was headed that way or say that they were going to go do this and then like actually do something different, but they didn't do that. I actually that. thought was, that also. Yeah. Nothing, nothing came out of that. 
So yeah, Kirk gets there. Khan easily disarms him and just, just fucking wrecks that phaser with his hands, just crushes it. Yeah. So that gives you a good idea of how strong he is. Unless those things are made out of like tinfoil, then he's Plastic. not that strong at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you can hear a beeping sound and uh, Khan does the old classic bad guy thing and explains that he rigged the ship to overload and explode. <laughs> and, and Kirk just kind of casually goes over and tries to stop it. But Khan's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like I'm right here. And just like throws him across the room. And then they have a a real quick fight for a couple of minutes and they trade blows evenly. And and one of them is uh, the guy playing Kirk is an obvious stunt double. And now that you've pointed that out, I was like, dude, that ain't even close. That's been the same guy the whole time. He's been doing it the whole time. It's been like that. And what's funny is like he was even facing the camera and they they did no yeah. attempt to make it not look like him. Even <laughs> even the con don't look like me. The con uh, yeah. the old guy. Yeah, it was it was real real, real funny. But uh, Khan is just beating the shit out of Kirk and he stops to gloat about him being. He's like, I'm five times stronger than you. And so Kirk just grabs a weapon and beats Khan unconscious with it. Yeah, because once again. Once again, Super, Superman Kirk does the does the impossible and beats a super strength man because he's Kirk. Man, Kirk should have got the, the only thing Kirk that would have made this work, scene bro. better if there was the giant wrench again. Oh uh, I, yeah, dude. No, I just I was like, come on, man, Kirk can't do everything. He beat, he just beat him up barehanded at first. He's probably, he he stood even with them. A super genetically human stood even with them fist to fist. Had to grab a weapon and beat him down. I just. It's driving me yeah. nuts. It just, every, and, it just, and also what drives me crazy is that, like it, it falls again to that we need to wrap this up bullshit. Yeah. So Khan's just standing there talking, watching Kirk grab this like pipe and then yeah. watches him swing it and just fucking gets railed by it. And the fight should have like, been better was, too. Because the buildup of the character was so big. I thought this could have been a very, very good fight. Like, yeah. Like this to show to show Kirk as, as how weak he was. Because remember this, he fights a Gorn. And it was like, and right. it was hurt worse than this. So I'm yeah. sure this is stronger than the Gorn. So it should, it should have been like a really, really big thing. And it just, for such a good character, it wasn't as big as it should have been. Yeah, Khan's unconscious. And Kirk runs to the console and shuts off the overload. And then we go, we cut to a little bit later where Kirk is giving uh, Captain's Log, explaining that they have regained the ship and that Khan and his people uh, are going to be put in a reorientation center. Khan and Mag- MacGyver's enter a room under armed guard escort. Which a lot of good that'll do because we, we know the guards and uh, <laughs> they prepare for a trial to be held, uh, including Kirk and Spock, McCoy and Scotty, not Spock McCoy. That's a, there's a common there. Unless that is his last name. I don't know. So Kirk declares that all of the charges in the matter have been dropped. It's like, oh, my gosh. And uh, he says that they're heading towards the SETI Alpha Star system and it's no more inhospitable than the Botany Bay Colony in Australia. And he asks Khan, he's like, hey, can you, you think you'll be able to tame an entire planet? And Khan's like, well, yeah. <laughs> like, do you, do you know who I am, bro? Yeah, I, I held over a quarter of the Earth. Kirk then offers MacGyver a choice between court-martial and going with Khan. And, of course, she chooses to go with Khan, uh, which is real fucking dumb. Because I feel like in her court-martial, in order to get away with this, all she had to do was be like, look, I was pretending to be with Khan because I knew he was going to be able to take over the ship. And I was just playing a double agent, and I couldn't let anybody else know. <laughs> nah, I think I'll fall for that one. <laughs> I got a wife. I mean, I, there were in the beginning. I thought, or when she went to go save Kirk, I thought maybe that she was doing that. But like, there was a, a small hope. But, but no, no double agent from her. Khan's like, all right, yeah, she can go with me. Uh, 
he's super happy that he has his new world and he has a chance to build an empire. Do you think Kirk made the right choice by giving Khan a whole planet basically to conquer? Okay, that's the that, we wait. For I, the, we're, hold on, we're we're like we're like three sentences from getting away with this, from being done with this, and then we'll get in there because that's that's gonna be one. Uh, so. So Kirk ends the hearing and Khan and the others leave the room and then Spock notes that it'll be really interesting to return to SETI Alpha in 100 years and see what Khan has done with it. And Kirk just agrees and then they leave the room. And then that's the end of that. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I I understand it, but like it, it's one of those um, things where if you knew some, somebody's going to be something evil and you kill them, is it okay? You know, I thought it was, I, I like what he did, actually. I thought it was the best of two. It was the easy, easy way of doing it. I think it was the best. He had two bad decisions: try to kill him, which Kurt would never do, or or his, just give him a planet that has nothing, and tell him to conquer it. That will that will take him however long to do. I would have said dump him out of the fucking airlock and let him die in space, <laughs> uh, <laughs> because he's very clearly a, a very dangerous guy. Like he's literally a tyrant who at one point held over a quarter of the Earth under his command as a dictator. He has shown that his aspirations are to now rule all of space. <laughs> yeah, but why he, keep he, this guy alive? Because he's but he's not a bad guy though. How is he not? He's I trying mean, to fucking subjugate everybody. Yeah, but he's, he's not a doing dictator. It. He's definitely not a good guy. But, but he, he, he he's not. A, but he's not a bad guy either. He's kind of he's immoral, but he's not bad though. Like, it's not like Do you going, know any bad guys that have ever put anybody in a decompression ta- chamber to die. <laughs> Hey, he 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 scared them with the threat of death. He didn't actually do it, did he? You well, he tried to do it. He, he thought Kirk was dead. That's yeah. why he didn't care about getting the screen uh, back. He's like, well, he's dead. It doesn't matter. Okay, well, then that's the one one exception of that situation. I just thought that he threatened them, man. I just, you know, I think it's that big of a yeah, deal. He live. threatened him by putting in a putting him in a decontamination <laughs> chamber yes. and letting him die. That's uh, the threat. Yeah. Like, okay. hey, it'll be all right. <laughs> He survived. Boy, nah, he's he's a fucking he's a threat to not just humanity but every race. Like that, this is a guy that would probably start an intergalactic war for his own advantage. Like if he yeah. got something oh, out of it, he would do it. This is a dude that would probably team up with Romulan and be like, "Hey, I hate the Federation too. Let's join forces. The enemy of my oh. enemy is my friend." Or maybe he's the right. kind of uh, maybe he's the kind of leader we need a dictator that makes things happen when it needs to happen so we don't have crime and war going on and, and people getting uh get, getting shot in our in, in our world every day we need a con- well, the things that well, happen are the crime well, and the war we need, we need a con yeah I'm I, I, I don't know if living under the, uh, the the government boot is any better than you know the crime itself oh, exactly yeah. what's better con or the government let's decide well con would be the government. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I'm saying con, con or current government, sir. I'm saying come, I said current government that dictated. Would you rather have what we have now or the rule of con? We don't. We don't have enough information about the time under con to make that decision. But uh, I, they said crime I, was I don't low. think they, they, okay. They not, did not say crime was low. They what? said that there weren't any wars unless con was attacked. But he was obviously attacked because he had to fucking leave the earth. It sounds like most of the human race was scared of con. Oh, right. That's why they didn't want to. That's why the the world didn't want the the world's population to know. Like, hey, there's ninety more of these guys possibly still out here. Like, clearly they yeah. thought these guys were dangerous. All right, Con, I'm on yep. your side, buddy. I would let you live. Your ambitions. <laughs> <laughs> nah, fuck that. He's a threat to all living things. He's too ambitious. It'll be okay, brother Con. 
It'll be okay. Well, that is Jesus Christ. Be, uh, <laughs> you know, pretty messed up also. Yeah. I yeah. Hate. Oh, man. All right. Let's get into final thoughts on this one, Paul. <laughs> uh, final <laughs> thought was uh, this is, that was so was fun. It was good. It was great. You know, I, we enjoyed it because I was laughing all the time talking about it. I really enjoyed it. My only complaint literally is timing. I, I showed the, it's because it was one episode. So they had a very good character. Would, uh, it could have taken so much time fleshing out a little, little better here and there. But that uh, that's kind of it. But I did. Um, uh, Spot did say this a quote that stuck with me. He said, insufficient facts always invites dangers. And it kind of stuck with me, even though, you know, I clearly can't explain exactly what it means. I have an idea in my head what it means. But every episode, Spock always has this, like, really cool, big uh, quote he has that always sticks with me. So, uh, but overall, episode, uh, if I had to do, like, a scale of, uh, out of 10, it was a 9, 9.9. Like, the only issue I literally had was just timing. That was it. So, that's my thoughts. Yeah, this... uh this one for me, man, was I, I fucking loved this episode. I wish I had more of it. That's my only complaint is that, that like we went over it. There's so much good stuff here that they just didn't have time because of their own format to flush it all out. But they did like they brought up a lot of really cool stuff. They gave a lot of really good information. I want more information about the eugenics war. I want a better developed con uh, Kirk rivalry like this episode starts what could be a series long rivalry. And then we just, we don't see him again until a movie 20 years later. And that's sad because Khan is a, he like, he is the perfect uh, rival for Kirk. Like they're basically the same guy, but Khan is just, you know, 50% more than him. And that's, it's awesome. Uh, I just, I wish we could get more of it. That's, that's like, if my only complaint is that there wasn't enough of it, then I think that's a good complaint. So just great episode for me. Uh, Dan. Yeah, you guys pretty much said everything that I was going to say. Uh, we got to start more. letting you go I, first. <laughs> <laughs> if they would have been able to give us like two or three episodes of like fleshing out Khan and the whole backstory and, you know, her betrayal, I, I think it would have made it almost a perfect 10. But I, I kind of land with Paul on it. I, I would give it a nine. Great episode. I mean, Khan is one of those characters that kind of transcends Star Trek itself with, you know, Spock and Kirk. Like, I feel like even if you don't watch Star Trek, you've probably heard of Khan, which is pretty amazing since he's only been in one episode in a movie. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder who was sitting around and saw the character and thought they should make the movie. I'm, I'm curious. Honestly, I want more of Khan. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, just let him fucking pop up here and there. Just let them be rivals. He, he, he seems like he'd be a really good big bad, like, for a season or, like, the future. Like, you keep running into colonies that he, he's he's took it, taken over and he's slowly becoming, like... Almost like, if you don't know anything about the uh, Next Generation guys, there's this thing called the Borg. And the Borg happens to be this, this uh, technology virus that takes over other colonies or whatever. I feel like you could have had Kurt as a big... Or, sorry, Khan as a big bad like taking over different galaxies and universes as you go there. And then I think, oh man, it'd be really cool, man. Yeah. Such, such a good character. Such a good yep. character. I'm, I mean, fan of that. but I did, well, we do have a, uh, our next TV show, Star Trek eugenics wars starring yep. Khan. We just see Khan's rise to power to our listeners out there. Get a hold of Paramount plus for us. Like, Hey, we listen to some guys that have some good ideas for some shows. And the thing about the show also is uh, these shows have a lot of nostalgia. And we have been the thing lately, like, even with the Star Wars Obi-Wan, where 
Like it's a old it's something that we watched a long time ago and they keep like going back, oh yeah, we do a prequel of a prequel of a prequel. And they do like these backstories and we'll watch them and and whatever. So I feel like if you do some of these old char- these characters in here with backstories, I thought people would be really interested to watch the shows. Right. But the next thing we are watching is going to be season one, episode 23, A Taste of Armageddon. And I don't want to miss a thing. And it says... Uh, oh, that's, that was a shitty reference. I'm sorry. <laughs> they can't all be winners. Oh my reference. God, what are you talking bro? about? I didn't, I didn't even get that <laughs> reference until you said it again. <laughs> I don't want to miss it. I, I think this is like our fourth time bringing up the movie Armageddon for a show yeah. about Star Trek. It's a Trek. good movie. It's a good fucking movie. It's a, it's a terrible movie. It's terrible. It's a terrible good movie. Yeah, it's give terrible. me that episode description. The Enterprise arrives at a planet to establish di- diplomatic relations and finds itself in the middle of peaceful war that threatens to destroy the ship. So, I guess they find Sounds like a badass in- episode. Yeah, we'll see. I think I'm going to get that one where the Prime Directive comes into play. That's, how, that's what that sounds like to me. Yeah. Like, do we get involved or don't we? Like, we're not supposed to. Yeah. We'll, we'll, huh. we'll get that. So... I'm excited for it. I'm excited for every episode. I enjoy 90% of the episodes. So very rarely. Yeah, and we're coming up on the end of season one here, too. Yep. How far we We got about, what, five episodes left? Six episodes? Seven? Something like that. Yeah, man. But, uh, yeah, as always, we're on Twitter at WWST underscore podcast. Gmail, WWSTpod at gmail.com. And uh, we're everywhere on everything. You can listen to us uh, just basically everywhere. If you have like ham and cheese sandwich, I'm sure you can listen to us on that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on that. Um, but uh, as always, thank you guys for listening to us and, and putting up with this ridiculousness. And uh, yep. hopefully we catch you on the next episode. Later. Later. Later.